continue on grace here today, and uh, we've been talking about that the last few weeks, and so we're going to jump back into that and just uh, believe that God wants us to continue to grow in this. It's used all the time throughout the New Testament. It's Paul, every time he's writing a, uh, begins a, a new book, he starts to say, grace and peace to you, right? It's an important thing. He's constantly saying grace. He's leading with that. He's trying to say, hey, this is important. This is what we need. So a quick recap of just a couple of things. One is that we often think in our times of grace, like amazing grace, how sweet the sound, right? There's grace coming. It's setting me free. It's forgiving me. That is a portion of it, but biblical grace is far beyond that. Biblical grace is really about God's favor in leaning towards us and moving us into the ability to live out what he's called us to live. And the actual word for grace is jeris, uh, and it's mixed back and forth in the Bible between favor and grace. You can look up the word, and you'll see if you actually go back to the original written word that sometimes when you read your Bible, it says grace. Sometimes when you read your Bible, it says favor. And they change it depending on what the format of the, of the sentence is, of what the guys talk, specifically are talking about, how to fit it, what's the best for that situation. But the meaning is similar. It's favor and grace. So it's not just that God wipes us clean. It's that he wipes us clean and then he leans in towards us to help us live the life he's called us to live to pour out his goodness on us, to care for us. It's, it's the story of the Good Samaritan. The story of the Good Samaritan wasn't just that somebody saw somebody that was hurt on the side of the road and then kind of put some bandages on them and stuff and walked off to so make sure they were gonna be okay, but literally picked them up, put them on their donkey, took them to an inn, helped them to get healthy and well, and made sure that they were cared for so they could fulfill the purpose that God had for them. It was much more than just, okay, I'm gonna help you get up for a second. It's, I'm going to help you get your life back. I'm going to help move you forward. I'm going to actually empower you. And that's what it's talking about. And a thing about grace that we're going to talk about today is that grace is always, always, always together. There is no biblical concept for individual grace. None. So, well, but God has grace on me, myself. There is no concept biblically anywhere from Genesis to Revelations of just individual grace. I'm going to show you that in the Word today, because you don't need to take my word for it. We're a Bible-based church, but I'm going to walk you through that. But first, before we do that, I want to give a visual to get a little bit of an explanation of this, just to get it in our minds. I'm going to do a simple one. And I was so grateful that Haley volunteered to join me for this. This is a wonderful thing for her to do. And it's uh, just beautiful. Would you volunteer? God looks at the heart, and he can see in your heart you were wanting to help out. And so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to place an order with you this morning. No, we're good. You're not allergic to anything. This is what I need. We'll know if she's allergic to peanut butter very quickly. Usually reveals itself. So I'm going to order from you, and I just want you to just prep my order. That's all. Could you do that? Have you ever worked in food before? You don't have a food handler's card? Cut the stream. It's going to get dangerous. Okay. Um, we deny all responsibility or that this happened. Okay. What I would like is a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no jelly. Please. A little extra peanut butter, but no jelly. So peanut butter and jelly sandwich, a little extra peanut butter, no jelly. A little extra peanut butter and no jelly. 
I like it right on the edges. I am getting hungry. <laughs> it's a very detailed sandwich. <laughs> Is it ready? ready? But I ordered a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But I wanted a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no jelly. So peanut butter and sandwich. Uh, can I get help here? Can you look in here? Does this, what kind of sandwich is this? Okay, so we have a problem. Because I ordered a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no jelly. But no jelly. So just peanut butter sandwich. That's not what I asked for. Okay, fine. You can have a seat. I see this isn't going to go anywhere good right now. Okay? But, but thank you for your help. There will be no tip on this meal. Um, but if you would like the sandwich, since it's not the kind I eat, you're welcome to take it back to Cody or you. No, he's being healthy. <laughs> okay. Thank you for the help. Okay, give her a hand. Okay, this is a peanut butter sandwich. This is not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, regardless of how many times I want to reorder it as a peanut butter and jelly sandwich with no jelly. I can call it whatever I want, but it is not a peanut butter and jelly sandwich at this point. This is a peanut butter sandwich. Is that fairly easy to understand? Okay, so back to grace, okay, because this is where we're going to tie this in, is that grace is always together, even if we want to try to order it alone. I'm not really into people right now. I'm a little stressed out with people. I don't really like community. I don't really like connection. I just need God's grace by myself, please. Is the same as ordering a peanut butter and jelly sandwich without the jelly. You might get something, but it won't be grace if you're getting something that is individual, and here's the first uh, reason why, is that the math on this works out. Simple formula for math heads, engineers. Got any of those in here? Got some of them. We got Zachary back there, the math guy. We got Robert's escape, the math guy. Is, here's the formula for grace. One plus grace equals four or more. Always, every time, never changes. It's always four or more. Well, how can you say that? You can be one, okay, but it always ends up being four or more, and that's because Matthew 28, 19 says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of what? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Every single time that grace is activated and happens, it happens between a minimum of a one person and a minimum of the Godhead, which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There is always, every time, without fail, at least four present in that interaction. It's happening. There's four. 
Why does that matter to us? Because we have to understand the idea of grace, the purpose of grace, the working of grace. It is and always has been a relational thing. It's been about reconciliation. You can't be reconciled alone. You get reconciled to something. If you have a checkbook, you don't reconcile it to itself. I do. And then I end up with no money and I get a red letter from the bank. But my wife reconciles a checkbook to the bank account. There's, it's a plural thing. Reconciliation requires that. Grace is the same. It, it brings us into rec- reconciliation. It brings us together. Going to this next verse, Psalm 68, 6. This is the purpose and the intent of grace. Is that God sets the lonely into families. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And guess what? When we all come to know Christ, guess where we go? After we die, we go to heaven. What's in heaven? Kingdom of God. What's in the kingdom of God up in heaven? All believers. It's communal up there too. It's always planned to be communal, but it says that God sets the lonely in families. This is what grace does. He saves us out of our death. He saves us out of our struggle. He saves us out of our isolation, out of our rebellion, out of our loneliness, out of all those things. And what does he do? He immediately sets us into family. Why? Because his design from the beginning was for us to be made in his image. And what is his image? His image is communal. Because he's a triangle, there's three. And so his very nature is communal. His very nature is love. Love needs something to act upon. Favor needs something to act upon. Grace, if grace and favor is to lean towards, you have to be leaning towards something. If it's to forgive, you have to be forgiving something or someone. If it's in order to to, uh, empower, you have to empower someone or something. In every aspect, it requires an interaction. It's not just a standalone thing that happens all by itself. There's a a mixing. There's a happening. There's something going on. But it says the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. But God's intent is for it to always be this communal together experience. So could it just be you? Well, I'm just, on, I'm just uh, out here on a walk by myself. And I just experienced the grace of God. Yes, but again, it's still, even in that point, was not just you. It's God working in you. The next step, the next thing that he's going to do is he's going to reroute you out of the loneliness and the self-focused way of living and right back into community because that's what we were designed for. And so we know, is it God working in me? Well, if it's God working in me, is it drawing me back towards reconciliation and restoration with people? Is it drawing me back towards him? Is it drawing me back towards connection? Because that's what his heart has always been. And so even in the beginning, God said, you know what? Everything I'm making is good, but what? It's not good for man to be alone. I'm not designing people to be by themselves. Why? Because I'm designing them in my image. And for all eternity, he is not by himself. Because there is a father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're going to go through some stuff in Romans that talks about, Romans chapter 12. I'm just going to work through some verses here. And this is talking about grace and what grace is supposed to be doing in our lives. And you'll notice that all these things take community. They take people. They take interaction. Romans 12, 3, it says, for by the grace given me, so by grace, so by grace God gave me, this is happening. Not just I received grace and it was awesome, but I received grace and as I received grace that was given to me, this is starting to happen. Because why? It's happening by the grace given me. Now this is starting to work out. And so he says uh, that God has given me to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Okay, so an understanding of who we are requires this grace working where we can look around and we can actually see experiences of other people. I was really awesome when I was all alone. I was the best. 
I even had the best hair. Can you believe that, Melicio? The best hair. And then Melicio shows up at church, and it's over. But by myself, I had the best. Everything was great. I got around some other people, and I was well, that person's a little kinder than me. That person's a little maybe even smarter than me. That person's a little better looking. That person's... I realized there's some other people, and it helped me not to think more highly of myself than I ought to because I realized there are people out there that are doing some things that maybe I could aspire to or hope to get to. That person's a little bit better dad. That, not in judging myself, oh, I'm a loser, but in looking and saying, maybe there's something that God's put in that person that I can learn from and grow from. If I have humility, it helps me not to think more highly of myself than I ought to. It says, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. Some of you might think that you're rugged, that you're strong, that you're uh, athletic and stuff. But look back to the back of the room back here. We got Kyle Bertels back here. He just came off of five days in the mountains with nothing but bone marrow. A bag of bone marrow, and he went up there. You couldn't even get him on a phone. So can I tell you his private text to Jenna on his return, the first text that he sent her? Very first text he sent coming off of the mountain in five days. I'm going to give you a glimpse into the privacy of their marriage, the privacy. First thing, coconut cake, cookies, ASAP. No other words. There was no, I'm alive, I love you, how's the kids, did you make coconut cake cookies ASAP? I'm heading home and I've got a beard, I need my, I need my stuff. So you thought you were rugged, and then Kyle walks in, you're like, my ruggedness is gone. If the Kyle from last week walked in, he'd be like, wow, that guy's more rugged than me. Because circumstances change us, they cause us to grow. So we look around, we see growth in others, and we want growth in ourselves, and these things happen. Uh, Romans 12, 4 through 5, it says, For just as each one of us has one body with many members, so that members is like digits, hands, I got legs, I got fingers, I got eyes, I got ears, I've got, like, I got many members, uh, but they don't all have the same function, thank God. My fingers don't smell, because I touch all kinds of stuff, and that would just be horrible, right? Good thing that each part of the body does its own work, right? We're thankful that God is smart and has good design. It says, but in Christ... We, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So right away, God's saying that in Christ, which this is all through grace. Remember, he starts this passage with, by grace, these things are happening. By grace, I'm talking to you about this. By grace, this is moving forward. So by grace, God's made us into one body. It's automatically communal. If you just got saved this morning, gave your life to Jesus this morning, or last week, guess what? You're immediately a part of the body. You don't, earn, you don't work your way up to being a part of the body. Well, we'll see, you know, I'm going to hopefully become part of the body. You're a part of the body. Well, I haven't done a membership class. You're a part of the body of Christ. Immediately. Well, I still got problems. You're a part of the body. So grace immediately, immediately makes you a part of. You're already interacting with him, and now you're immediately a part of. There's a thing, if you're into science at all, um, I'm a little bit, I like science stuff in the background. I don't talk about it a lot because it's weird to people, but... Anybody in here ever read up on like any like quantum entanglement stuff? Okay, so quantum entanglement is very interesting. Like you can get lost on that for like hours and hours, days and days, weeks and weeks. But if you ever want to time travel, we're gonna have to figure that stuff out. But quantum entanglement. But there is a principle I say called kingdom entanglement, which is quantum entanglement is this thing where you can actually take and you can actually do something where two things are joined together, like down at like the photon level. And when they split them up, they've split them up literally miles and miles and miles apart, and then when you interact on one, 
it affects the other one. Because before they were together and then they were split, you put them apart. But if you still do an experiment on this one, the other one responds to the experiment. The invisible attributes of God are made known by the things that he's made. Because we're connected by the spirit of God. Revelation says that the invisible attributes of God are made known by the things that he's made. It's meant to teach us and point us towards something about God. And I would act as a believer. It affects other believers. And that means if I don't show up, well, what is that? I didn't even show up. If you don't show up, don't forsake the gathering together of the brothers as some are in the habit of doing, the Bible says. If you don't show up, whether it's, and it doesn't mean you have to be at church every Sunday, but you don't show up at the Bible study. You don't show up at somebody's house. You don't show up when there's something going on. And you're like, well, what, what difference does it make? I wasn't there. Well, you're devaluing yourself. What do you mean what difference does it make you weren't there? It makes a lot of difference. Because God put gifts in you. God put desires in you. God put things in you that he wanted his body to have and experience. And the only way for that to happen is when you show up. And so even when you're doing nothing, you're impacting the body. That's kingdom entanglement. I'm, not, I'm just over here. But it's still impacting. And if I show up, it impacts. So no matter what I do now, I'm having an impact. It's just what kind of impact am I having? That's the question. Because it's working together. It's always working together. You look at your body. Uh, how many parts do you think there are in the body? Anybody want to throw out a guess? 721. <laughs> Is that just totally random or did you read that? That's a really fast, good random number. How many parts in the body? Anybody else? 721. Do I have anybody going higher or lower? Okay, stand up if you think it's higher. If you think it's higher than 721 parts in your body, stand up. If you think it's lower, stay sitting. Parts, all your body parts, all the parts that make up you. And what's interesting is if you're taller or shorter, it doesn't really change the amount of body parts. It's not like building a house where you need more boards. They're just different sides. Okay, if you think it's more than 1,000, if you think it's more than 1,000, stay standing. If you think it's more than 3,000, stay standing. She's like, no, no, no chance. If you think it's more than 4,000, stay standing. 5,000. And I'm not talking just about cells. I'm not going to go into the million, trillion stuff. Okay, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about parts. If you think it's more than 6,000, stay standing. If you think it's more than 7,000, stay standing. Do I have a biologist in the room? You are all looking very convinced. If you think it's more than 7,000, stay standing. More than 7,400? Okay, you can have a seat. It's 7,500 7, approximate body parts. 7,500. That's not my, I didn't count. I didn't count that that comes from the American Association of Anatomists. That's anatomy. American Association of Anatomy, people that study and do anatomy, is that there's approximately 7,500 parts in every body that are all in there. Now, here's the interesting thing about all those parts. There's not a single part in the body, not my finger, not my toe, not my eye, not my rib, not my ligament, not my nose. Like, there's, not, not, there's nothing in my body, not a tooth. There's nothing in my body that pulled out and left to live separately will stay alive. Out of all those parts. None of them. So regardless of what part 
It's meant to live and gain life from being connected to the whole. That's God's design. All the invisible attributes of God are made known by the things he's made. There's something God's telling us, and we know because Paul's specifically comparing the body of Christ to our physical bodies. God's saying, hey, there's a lot of comparisons here. Start looking and seeing what you can learn. There's nothing you can pull out of the body and set aside and say, okay, you live over there. And take my kidney out, my eyeball out, put my, my eardrum over there. I'm going to come back in a couple weeks and pick it up. No, it's going to be dead. That's how it works. So as believers, as part of the family of God, to disconnect and say, I'm going to live on my own and do it on my own, would lead to what? It would lead to death. That's why God says don't forsake the gathering together. It's not because it's a rule and a law and he doesn't want to punish you. It's because he knows that you need community to survive. Because why? Because grace works through community. It's how it functions. It's how it's made. And it's interesting in the end of that verse on Romans 4, 5, it says, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We're not our own. We're God's. But guess what? We're not our own. We're each other's. We are each other's. We belong to each other. We have a, a responsibility and a commitment and a connection to each other. Whether we go through good times or bad times. I was playing pickleball with Stosh, and he played way too many rounds on Friday. I was tired. I was done. Stosh is a couple years younger than me, so he kept playing. He played for like another hour and a half, two hours. And then he came in the day. He's like, my knees hurt. Well, yeah, of course they hurt. He played a million hours. But guess what? You can't just decide because my knees hurt today, I don't want those, and take them out. Why? Because they belong to Stosh's body. Whether they're in good shape or bad shape, whether they're in health or in pain, they're a part of his body. Okay, so when you're dealing with stuff with, with yourself, with others, with church, like, well, I don't want that because that, that hurts or that's inflamed or that's an irritant or that's bothering me right now, that strain, that stretch. Guess what? It's still a part of the body. It's still a part of you. And so the issue is, okay, how do I get it healthy, not how do I cut it out? How do I get it healthy? What do I need to do in this relationship, in this connection? Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given. Again, it's coming back to it's through grace. This interactive, working, communal, together thing to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. What's prophesying? Prophesying is listening to God and then saying what you hear. Are we perfect? Can you have perfect word, perfect prophecy? No, that's in the Bible. The Bible is God's perfect word, but we can hear from God and we can speak it out. And then the Bible says to judge prophecy, to look at it and say, is this accurate or not? This person keeps prophesying this. Do you know somebody made over $300,000 selling pet insurance? About 20 years ago in California, San Francisco area, I forget their name, but they were running billboards. They were selling insurance for pets so that when you got raptured, and their whole ad was, I won't get raptured, I don't believe, but we have a pet insurance company. When you get raptured and your pets are left behind, we'll take care of them. And they had people signing up like crazy for insurance for their pets to get taken care of because there was another guy that had put up a big prophecy on billboards and on the news and everything Prophecy that the world is ending on like September 18th, you know, 2014 or whatever the year was. And he's like, this is a word. This is definite. And so people started selling stuff. They're buying insurance for their pets. They're doing all this stuff. Well, the prophecy wasn't true. We're still here. But that's why prophecy is to be judged and looked at. Is this person actually hearing from God or not? Is it in his word? Do these things actually happen? But if we do, then we use the gift. Why? Because it benefits people to hear from God. It benefits them to be encouraged. It benefits them to know that God sees them. 
and that there's a plan and a purpose for what they're going through. It says, if it's to serve, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. What is, what is encouraging? It's to add courage to somebody. Somebody's down, it's to go and say, you know what, I'm gonna put courage in you. It's in courage. I'm gonna put courage inside of you. You're down. I'm gonna lift you up. I'm gonna help you. It says, then give it generous. It's if it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Basically, whatever your job is, do it. Do it wholeheartedly. Do it well. It doesn't mean do it perfectly. If God's given you a gift of hospitality, he's saying, you know, be hospitable, open up your home, do things. Guess what? You can open it. You can be really bad at hospitality. I remember, this was many years ago, but we went to somebody's house, and they invited us over, and it was, I won't even go into details on it. It was from the minute we walked in to the minute we left, it was like the worst experience ever. It was just no good. <laughs> the whole time, we're just like almost hyperventilating. It's like, when do we get to get out of here, right? Anybody ever been in somebody's house like that? It can be awkward to leave when you just got there. But there we are. And we, not that we were great at hospitality, because remember, I used to literally hide in my closet when people came to my house. That's not very hospitable. But I went to their house, and I was already awkward, and now they're awkward. The whole thing was just really bad. And thinking, I need to get out of here. But guess what? They were called to hospitality, and they kept practicing and doing it. They ended up having a community group in their home. The community group grew, and they are still, last I checked, which was this last year, I think I heard, I heard from some people in their group, that group is still running, and it's been almost 15 years of them ministering to people in their home, encouraging people in their home, having people in their home. Why? Not that they were good at it, but they were called, and they gave themselves to it wholeheartedly, and they grew in it. Because it's a work of grace. It's God working in us. It's God working through us. And so it goes on. It says, in this next passage, it says, uh, Romans 12, 9 through 13, love must be sincere. Hate what's evil. Cling to what's good. Be devoted to one another in love. 1 Corinthians 13 talks about love, patience, kindness, long-suffering. Most of the words are not really fun. Like, we think about love like Disney. It ain't like Disney. It's like God. And the way God loved us. So when you read 1 Corinthians 13, most of the words in love in there, I would like to cross out. I would like my love without the patience. I'd love my love without the long suffering. I'd like my love without this, without bearing people's burdens. I just want the, the, the fun part, you know, where we go out, we have a good time, we watch a movie, we high five, we leave, we share a popcorn, our hands touch. Woo! I don't want all the other stuff. But that's the love, to forgive, to love, to care, to open. That's what shows it. It's a sacrifice. And so he says to do it. And then it says, honor one another above yourselves. That's pretty extreme. But all of these things that he's saying are empowered by grace, they all require a togetherness. They require other people. I can't honor someone above myself if I'm doing it alone. There's no one to honor. There's no one to put above me. There's no one to lay my life down for. Keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Well, sometimes I need community for that to happen. I'm not hopeful, I'm not joyful, I'm not encouraged. Well, the other parts of the body pick me up, they build me up. Be faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Romans 12, 14 to 16, bless those who persecute you. You can't bless those who persecute you unless you still have some people in your life to persecute you. You can't cut everybody out of your life that causes you a problem because that causes you a problem. It gives you the problem now if you can't fulfill this command. You can't fulfill this call of God. You can't bless those who persecute you if you don't allow anyone near you that ever causes a problem to you. We're not meant to live in a bubble. Oh, I'm in my Jesus bubble. 
Anybody that would cause me any pain or suffering or problems like that, they're out because I don't deal with that. Well, then how are you going to bless the one that persecutes you if you don't have anybody persecuting you? If your life is so good that nobody persecutes you, think of, anybody seen Wally? If your life is so good that you never have to get up, what happens? It ain't good. You need exercise. You have to exercise forgiveness for it to be strong. You have to exercise patience to have good patience. You have to do these things. Okay, so if you have nobody in your life that tests you, pushes you, persecutes you, causes you to need patience, forgiveness, long-suffering, all these things, then see me after service, and I got a few numbers in my phone, I'll trade you. (laughs) And if I accidentally give you your own number, don't get mad at me. (laughs) But we're going to have some of that. Why? Because God's not good. He's putting people. No, because God is good. He's putting people in your life to help you develop into a Christ-like character. That's what he's doing. He's helping you to grow. He's helping you to change. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Well, what if I'm sad? Rejoice with those who rejoice. You can't be a Christian narcissist. You can't go around all the time and say, well, I know that person's happy, but I'm sad, so they should be thinking about helping me because I'm sad. Well, how come you're not thinking about them? Because they want to rejoice. Go rejoice with them. Well, I'm depressed. Something bad happened. I can't. Can you go over and just throw your hands in the air and say woohoo once? No. Go do it. My mom used to make us do stuff like that all the time. My mom's way of solving all problems was hug it out. Hug it out. I'm not hugging anything out. Go hug them. Nobody's getting up until you hug each other. I don't want to hug them. Hug them. We would sit for hours. You're not getting up until you've hugged. I'm not. We would sit. We were stubborn. We would sit. We would just sit all day long. <laughs> She's like, you're not going anywhere until you get up and hug each other. And they weren't even family. That was just some dude at the supermarket. Me and him were right <laughs> fighting over the quarter horse where you put a quarter in and get a ride. And my mom made his mom stay and us stay. We just sat on the curb. and I grew up tough. But no, there's this idea of actually rejoicing putting your emotions aside. Mourn with those who mourn. It works the opposite way too. If you're always rejoicing, you come across somebody that's sad, you can say, I don't have time for that because I'm a positive thinker. I'm a positive thinker. I'm only going up. I'm only going up. I don't look down. I'm only going up. You know what? Look down. God looked down. That's how he found you. Okay? Because he was willing to look down. It works both ways. It's not that we're always happy or we're always sad. Grace allows us the freedom to live in every level of emotion. God got angry. God has wrath. Jesus wept. God rejoices. It's okay to be in all those things. Jesus mourned over Jerusalem. He cried and mourned over Jerusalem. You can be in mourning and actually not be needing to escape it. You can actually be right where God wants you because the Holy Spirit comforts those who mourn. He wants you there so he can comfort you. But it's a willingness to also look around and say, how can I enter other people's world and hit their needs? It was on Romans 12, 17 to 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what's right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. If it's possible, try. That's not possible. Just try. Go the extra mile. Try to make peace. Try to step forward. Try to do the right thing. If it's possible, just keep trying to do it. And then trusting God to work in and to work through us. And that's what God wants to do. He wants to actually open our hearts and bring his grace in. That becomes a relational connected thing. Romans 12, 19 to 20. This is the end of the passage. He says, do not take revenge, my dear friends. Well, why do you need revenge? Because somebody's done wrong to you. 
That's the reason for revenge. Somebody did something to you that's wrong. My dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. But I thought God was love. Yes, God loves his people enough and he loves righteousness enough and he loves goodness enough that when the time comes, he carries a big stick because he loves it. If I say I love you and we go out on a thing and somebody's trying to threaten you, attack you, or do something to you and I just step back and say, hey, I'm all about love. I'm just gonna leave you to it and let you get beat up, mugged, stabbed, killed, hurt. And I'm doing that. Is that love? No. No justice. The cops come and say, hey, I didn't see anything. I just want, I'm just grace. I didn't see anything. That's not, that's not grace. But God actually has wrath. He has punishment. There's a hell. There's a real hell. People go to it. Why? Because God punishes. We don't have to worry and suffer and stress all the time like, oh, it's, what about all the evil in the world? A day will come. God's gonna judge the wickedness and the evil of the world. His call is for us to leave it in his hands, though. He says, it's mine to avenge and I will repay. But first, he has grace extended. He's trying. He's willing that none should perish. He wants everyone to become saved. He's giving everybody as much opportunity as he can to come. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will, reap, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, that sounds awesome. And this gets a little bit misinterpreted. What are you doing? I'm being really nice to him. Why? Because I'm hoping it just burns him up. That's not really quite what it's talking about. Okay? Now, does that happen? Sometimes can. But the point of the burning them up is hopefully to lead them to repentance because coal in the Bible and fire in the Bible is actually really used for purification. In Isaiah, he cries out and he says, Lord, take the coal, cleanse my lips. Here I am. He wanted, he's a prophet and he wanted to speak the pure words of God. He wanted to be purified through the fire. And so when we're doing good to people, the hope is that it's putting coals on their head, not to burn them, destroy them, and torture them, but it does cause discomfort, which causes them to then look at themselves and say, I'm always mean to this person, and yet they're being nice to me, and this is becoming very uncomfortable. This is getting very hot. What do I need to do to put this fire out? Well, maybe I should change my heart and start to show love back and show care back. That's what it's talking about. It's not just talking about going around burning everybody up. It's talking about doing something that leads them back towards God through your own good works. And the last, very last verse is Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All of this passage, including this overcoming power, is through this entire work of grace. And the entire work of grace in every aspect, all these things that he's talking about, all these things that are happening, they're all happening with and together. They're not individual acts. So the overcoming power of God in your life, in your family, in your community, it comes through allowing God's grace to work in you to be connected to him and to be connected to others and for you to work together at doing it. Amen? So let's bow our heads. Father, I just thank you for this day. God, I thank you that, God, your word is true, that we can build our lives on it. Lord, I ask, God, this would fall on good soil, that your word would not return void. God, grow grace in us. Lord, you're growing the church. Lord, there's 56 people, at, women are. There's a bunch of people at L3, and there's people at the men's groups, and there's people in the community groups are packed out, and Lord, the church parking lot's full, and there's people, Lord, that takes your work. So God, we ask for it, Lord. Let your spirit bring your grace into our lives. Let it work through our lives. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.